Welcome to Adaptify. I'm Mike, I'm a paraplegic from New Zealand, and it's my mission to find the Adaptifiers of the world. People who have overcome challenges and found new, creative, interesting ways to be free despite needing to use a wheelchair for their mobility. Hey everyone, what's up? It's Mike here. It's March the 25th and it's a matter of hours before New Zealand officially goes into a four-week lockdown to combat the COVID-19 chaos that the world is facing. Uh, I hope when this podcast goes live that uh, things have settled and look, wherever you are, you're safe and well and those closest to you are too. Uh, I know we're going to get through this and come out the other side with a new perspective and hopefully the world will be better off for it. Uh, It may be hard to see that now, but just like it was difficult for us, many of us in this community to to face a life-changing injury or to have been born with uh, some physical differences, uh, I can say that uh, we are better off for the hardship and for the perspective that it brings. That being said, I wouldn't wish this on anyone and I wish everybody uh, everybody well out there. Today's guest is Alvaro Silberstein. Alvaro is from Chile de Santiago, Santiago de Chile, sorry. And uh, he's the founder, co-founder of Wheel the World. He's an amazing guy with an incredible story about how he created a travel company to help people experience the world uh, when it's you know not built for people with wheelchairs. It's a rather difficult environment. We're talking about going to places like Machu Picchu and Patagonia and Maui and not just extreme uh, outdoor places, but also more urban environments where we just want to know what's accessible, how to get there, what to do. Alvaro is a C5 quadriplegic and he's been through a whole heap of change and had to adapt his life accordingly. In this interview, we're going to find out exactly how he did that, uh, some of his uh, tips and tricks, and um, can't wait to dive in. Alvaro, uh, thanks for joining me all the way from Chile. Uh, So great to have you on the show, mate. Thank you very much, Mike, for the invite. Happy to, to talk to you again. So, Alvaro, you're another person that I met at the Abilities Expo in Los Angeles, and there was a real buzz around your booth and uh, and what you're doing. We'll get to that a bit later. Uh, it, was, it was great to meet you and some of your team. Um, but, you know, first off, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and your your background and, you know, where you grew up and, and uh, you know, your story uh, before you uh, joined this wheelchair community of ours. Yes, so well, um, I I am originally uh, I grew up and lived almost all my life in Santiago de Chile, South America, little country uh, in south of the world. Well, pretty similar uh, distance from the equator from New Zealand. Uh, I'm the youngest of, of four brothers. Very pretty, like close family uh, that they've been always since I was born, very supportive and very close to me. Um, lived a pretty normal life uh, and, and childhood, very, very close to, to doing lots of sports. Uh, actually, I guess that this will be heard, but many people from New Zealand and, and 
one of the things that I loved to do when I was young was playing rugby. Uh, so my dream for many years was to 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 um, uh, to travel to New Zealand. Actually, I I, I played against a New Zealand, New Zealand New Zealand team here in Santiago when I was like 17 years old. Um, of course, we, we we lost very dramatically, <laughs> uh, but but I I, I lived a um, uh, childhood very close to, to to sports, to playing lots of soccer and to do lots of outdoors activities and 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 being very close to nature because. Uh, Chile is a country that also has a lot of similarities to New Zealand in terms of like lots of uh, coasts, lots of mountains near the cities, so many possibilities to do outdoor activities, and that's something that I always loved to do uh, when I was um, a child. Uh, it's fantastic. Hey, so Chile has a special place in my heart too. I That was the first country I visited uh outside of New Zealand. I flew there when I was 19 on a mountaineering expedition to go and climb Aconcagua and to go down to Bariloche and then further south uh, to Torres um, Fitzroy and uh, um, and uh, Cerro Torre. Um, yeah, had had an attempt on Cerro Torre um, yeah, when I was 19. And uh, it ended rather dramatically, but that's a, that's another story I can tell another day. But uh, but Chile really opened my eyes to uh, another culture, and particularly to a culture that embraced, um, you know, I guess embraced family and community, and um, and was equally uh, adventurous and into the outdoors. At least the the Chileans that I met were. Um, so yeah, I hold a, a very dear dear place in my heart the the language barrier was very uh, intimidating you know i couldn't speak a, a word of spanish uh but we had you know an absolutely amazing amazing time that was in 1998 i think or 1999 so yeah good uh, 20 years ago that's interesting that's interesting yep uh, happy to hear that that you you have good good memories from chile <laughs> I, uh, one thing I can say is because uh, you know I didn't grow up uh, playing rugby, uh, I grew up playing football, and uh, and I thought I was pretty good. But uh, but as it turned out, um, much like you got your um, ass handed to you, <laughs> I I played a game of uh, of football with some locals, and and they ran around me like I was standing still. I couldn't believe how good they were. Um, <laughs> and the other thing too well, I, was I couldn't I, dance I to save myself either. I was a terrible dancer, and, uh, and you know you love to dance in uh, South America. <laughs> yeah, I believe for me it would be the opposite with rugby, right? I thought that I was pretty good here, but <laughs> once playing with 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 um, with with uh, Kiwis, thing is different. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally, mate. So, when did things change for you? What um, what happened to to your life uh, that you ended up uh, as a wheelchair user? Yes, yeah, so it was uh, 2004. I was in my first months of uh, college, first year, I, I few months before I graduated from high school, I was feeling that my life was great and nothing would be uh, bad for me at those at, at, at that point. And uh, I, I went to a party with some friends and we were having such an amazing time. We decided to go back. I was in the back seat of a car and a car, a, a drunk driver 
went to the opposite side of the road. They crashed it on, on the side that I was sitting and, and I broke my neck at, at level C5, complete injury. Uh, of course, a very unexpected situation, very tough months that, um, that now it seems so, so weird because it's been uh, around 16 years um, um, mm. almost. And at that point, you, th you feel that your life would be finished, ended, your happiness, your dreams, whatever. And now, go, like looking backwards, you see like how, how wrong those feelings were, right? And, and, and how uh, uh, human beings, we can, uh, we can overcome situations, we can reaccommodate re and push our, our barriers to, to become independent and reco reconstruct our lives. Uh, I was studying, I was in my first two years of uh, engineering and, and I, I had a girlfriend at that point. Of course, I was in rehab for one year, uh, no girlfriend anymore, not engineering studies and not learning to do everything again. Um, so yes, it's tough, but at some point you end up um, seeing now that I, I have the same as at that point and even more. So, so that's a good feeling to, to have now, uh, talking about those hard times. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, for me, one of the breakthroughs I had was seeing somebody else at my same injury level doing something that I didn't think was ever going to be possible, and that was skiing, you know, adaptive skiing. What was a turning point for you? You know, clearly you were, you know, you, you faced some moments that were really, really dark moments, really tough moments. What was some of the things, if you can cast your mind back uh, 16 years, that gave you hope, that, um, you know, helped you get through that dark moment? Yeah, so, so there, there's so many. Um, one of, one of, of those that was very important for me was when I um, achieved to, 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 to drive a car again. That was kind of a crucial moment. <laughs> uh, wow. uh, because, because Santiago, my city, is not a very easy city to go around in public transportation. Uh, driving individually is kind of the way to 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 move around and and for me uh, when I when I got injured I tried to 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 use like um, uh, adaptive uh, driving systems uh, and first that I wasn't strong enough mm. and for years I kind of tried and tried and kind of like tried to 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 gain gain strength of on my upper body. And after like five years, I ended up um, finding the way to, to use drive controls to drive my car. And that was kind of a crucial moment because first, uh, it, it gave me so much independence to move around and to, and to do my life. Uh, and the second thing was to, to achieve something that at first it, was, uh, it seemed to be impossible, right? Because I tried it, I couldn't do it for many years. And then after like trying so hard, I, I was able to do it again. It was kind of like something that it, it made me realize that if I um, uh, focus on, on 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 goals that I had towards my independence and my and 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 my life, it was possible for me to to achieve them. So it was kind of like very very excited for me to 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 have that 
achievement that for someone who who doesn't have a, a, a physical disability, maybe who doesn't have like a high level injury as me, it can be it can be like so simple. But for us, for quadriplegics, it's something that can be huge. Yeah, totally. So you you stuck stuck at that goal for five years, which is incredible. What what systems did you try, and what system did you end up actually using? And was it a combination of gaining physical strength and finding the technology, or was it the technology you had to find the right technology? It's it was both. So first, I I tried like very tough and and heavy hand controls that you needed more strength to push it and to do it. Mm. And, and I ended up finding ones that were like a little bit more uh, light to, to, to handle. And also with a mechanical engineer, we figure out with some adjustments to my hand. So the, it, so I, I needed, I don't needed my fingers to move it. And mm. also finding the right car too, that the steering wheel was, was much lighter and much easier to 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 turn than others. So so yes, that was kind of the um, it was a mix between technology and and and, and perseverance. <laughs> uh, it sounds so good. Yeah, I have uh, I have several friends who are high level quadriplegic C fives, and I'm just amazed at the the controls that they have in their car. You know, they have automatic windshield wipers. They have uh, you know, special, um, you know, levers to turn the lights on and off so that they don't need, uh, you know, dexterous fingers. Um, they have, you know, uh, a way to put their hand on the steering wheel so their hand is sort of locked in there so they're not going to, it's not going to come out. Uh, you know, all sorts of yeah. things, you know, driving in with their wheelchair so their wheelchair locks into the driver's position. Um, it's it's quite incredible. So, you know, for those listening, maybe in a similar position to Alvaro, you know, there's there's ways out there. There's definitely adaptions that can help you drive as a as a high level uh, quadriplegic for sure. And yes, and also for for like transferring to the seat and like adaptive bands with ramps whatsoever. So um, so yeah, there's there's a, there's alternatives and ones more expensive than others. And but there's always uh, alternatives and ways to to figure out things. I think. Hey, so funding is obviously a major a major issue for our community. Funding of this sort of equipment, and some people, uh, you know, are lucky they have uh, you know insurance that will cover it, or they come from a wealthy family, or you know they're able to rally support from their community to raise the funds. You know, what was your experience with funding equipment like this, and what advice would you have for people out there? Um, any you know fundraising tips? Yes, yeah, so I. I I had a very supported family and friends who always supported on me when I was in need on, on some funds and some resources to to achieve that. Uh, and 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 I believe that 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 way many times I think that people in our community are more than 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 open to to support us on on, on achieving those things understanding that they are not in need of on, on having that on, on on having access to that kind of equipment or, or resources right and I believe that also I think that it's good to to focus on things we um, having a disability is expensive we can't have every single equipment or uh, 
or mobility device possible out there. So I think if we think of prioritizing things on one specific need that we have to, we need to solve and work towards that to get the, the resources to, to acquire it. Uh, if not public or insurance uh, funding uh, available, uh, I think that's that's a good way to um, to to go and, and 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 start like satisfying the needs. I think also a good tip is to make researches uh, for other type of um, of resources. There's a lot of um, grants or funding for having like sports equipment. You know the CIF Foundation. Um, in Chile, there's an in interesting story of a very wealthy. Um, family that they have like three members of their family that are, that are disabled mm. and and they are like power wheelchair users so they need um minivans adapted minivans and once a while they they donate their cars when they have like more than i don't know 15 years uh, and they are able to to acquire a new one because they are uh, well they 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 donate this type of cars so Many times also being very persistent, making researches, looking for may maybe used equipment, uh, there's possibilities to bring uh, prices down. Mm. Oh, that's good. It's good to hear that there are people out there uh, donating their, their goods. And, and I see that here in New Zealand, and I do also hear of that in other countries. Uh, Alvaro, what was the hospital system like in Chile? Um, yes, so... I I I did my 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 rehabilitation in a public so in a private uh, private hospital, but for for workers. Mm. So um, um, people who got injured in 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 work on in in labor uh, accidents. That that was the place that I did my rehabilitation. I was in a shared room with six other people that were recently injured. Uh, way um, older than me. I was 18 years old. They were like 35 at least. Mm. And it was a, very, a learning experience for me. It was people like a very diverse uh, 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 group of people like in, in that hospital in terms of backgrounds and social um, situations, social uh, backgrounds. And, and for me, it was kind of interesting to 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 be all in in kind of the in the same uh, with the same struggles uh, and supporting each other no matter our ages where did they we came from and for me it was also some some I, I got a lot of learnings from that uh, from that experience too yeah I, I was, and it was sorry and it was tough too I I cannot I cannot um, I cannot lie to you it was really tough I mean really tough moments of your life that you are in that new life experience situation. And, but at the end of the day, I, I think that it was, I was lucky to, to have a high quality rehab as, as the one that I had. Yeah. That makes a big difference. Definitely. Uh, and you yeah. say it doesn't make it any less tough. Uh, I don't think, uh, you know, I remember yeah. being wheeled into the bathroom and, and left on a shower commode to sit over the toilet, you know, with a suppository jammed up my butt and uh, sitting there kind of just about naked, you know, I could barely support myself and, and I sat there for an hour, you know, 
just waiting for something to happen, you know, and nothing happened. And, and you're seeing nurses going up and down the hallway and, and it's noisy and it smells and it's, oh man, I tell you, and you're this, you know, growing man uh, who was once independent and now you're relying on other people. How did you transition to, to life uh, with, you know, with that sort of support early on? Yes, yeah, so so also for for the context, like I have um, um my level of injury uh, is is different and 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 for example, I need assistance every morning to to get ready for the day, to get to go to the bathroom, get showered, get dressed, mm. and be ready for the day. I I I need some assistance for forty five minutes, one hour. And then I'm ready, and then I, I'm totally independent until the when the when, when the next day starts. And yes, like that that kind of thing is tough to to like realize that you will be um you will need to be helped by other people, and in 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 terms in things that are so um, intimate, right? Mm. Um, and it's tough. It's tough. It's tough to to get used to that. It's tough to to be humble enough to say, okay, yes, I need help to do some to do some stuff. I need help from my mother, from my I don't know younger brother, or my even I don't know my grandmother or my friend that was way weaker than me. I I don't know like silly things that you that you get that you have to face. Mm. Uh, but but it's not easy at first to 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 realize that. But at the end of the day, you you understand what I under my 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 like life lesson at the end of the day is that who doesn't help assistance, who doesn't help need help for some things in our lives, right? Mm. We all um, we all will need like some kind of assistance and help from others at the end of the day, and some some of us sooner than later and 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 we have to deal with that and that makes us more human and 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 maybe even uh, we can bring learn lessons to other people who who if we allow them to to support us and to and to help us in in so common things to make them realize oh how fragile life is right mm. so i believe that uh, i don't know i t- today i'm totally used to it uh, I many times I ask help for uh, from for random people in in the streets to to push up a ramp or to grab something that I couldn't uh, in the floor when I was in the street or whatever. And at the end of the day, that makes me like have social interactions with more people, get to know more with more people, and and I think it humanizes me myself. Not in these moments of coronavirus. I, I'm practicing uh, social distancing, but uh, I hope this comes to an end um, as soon as possible. <laughs> it's really interesting that you you mentioned that everybody needs help at some point, and it, it really is the the idea of asking for help. The barrier is really in your own mind. Uh, you know, early on, you know, someone would say, "Do you want to push up up the hill?" And I was determined 
to do it without help. And I think that's okay because you want to learn what's possible for you, you know, at that time. But as time went on, I was, I was happy for people to give me a hand, you know, it saved my shoulders. It made it faster. Um, It also gave that person pleasure and joy to be able to help you. Uh, So yeah, asking for help or accepting help isn't, isn't a bad thing. And, you know, there'll be a time when you, you don't want help because you you're on your own, program but there'll be times when when help is okay the intimate help I've you know early on I had to have that but now I'm completely independent with my personal cares and and things like that you know for someone with a uh, you know that requires uh, personal help uh, in the morning like you or in the evening or to be turned during the night and they're new to that situation what what advice would you give them how do you how do you accept that situation and how how do you also um, how do you go about uh, choosing the right person to give you give you some help? What's that relationship look like? Yes, that's a good that's a good question. Um, so um, first, the first thing is okay. Like I want to achieve A, B, and C, and to achieve A, B, and C, that means going to university or uh, doing something that I really want or getting that job. I need things to be done. And one of the things to be done for me is to 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 get ready for the day at 7:30 a.m. every day, and 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 I understood that situation as that, and 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 in my case was trying to avoid help of my uh, relatives, saying my 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 parents when I was recently injured, I was living with them today, my girlfriend, for example. Uh, and 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 that's why I, I I understood that someone like a, like a assistance from others was necessary, and with with practice and it, it becomes something normal and something that I got used to. To get the, the the right help, I think that we need to be very find people that are reliable, and I I believe that there there needs to be some kind of formal relationship with people that assist us in terms of uh, getting sure that that person will show up at the time that is needed and if it don't he like um, tell us in advance uh, also to have a not rely on only one person but in two or three so so we have we can have backup situations and and once we we develop that kind of formality of okay and planning in advance, setting up times, building like uh, routines, and 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 having a um, a routine for you and also for your uh, attendant that 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 makes sense and it's easy and and we got used to. Uh, then uh, you can start build building a relationship. I don't know, having breakfast every morning after you are helped, uh, and talking about what's what was how how was your day uh, last day and. And, and, and building kind of a friendly uh, relationship, but I think it's that's totally possible, and that happened to me too. Um, at the end of the day, again, we're humans, but that that's something that that has had worked for us or me, having a formal re- relationship, and with time also kind of build and friendly bonds too. That I think for me it's important. I like that. What I keep thinking of is you know the. 
I guess initially the indignity of having somebody else, uh, you know, help you with your intimate cares, you know, and what we're talking about listeners is somebody helping you with your bowel movements and somebody seeing you naked and somebody dressing you and somebody, um, you know, maybe wiping you down and, and initially, uh, you know, a complete, a complete stranger often. And I think about a time when, you know, recently I've been traveling on the plane and I need to use a catheter to empty my bladder. And I'm, I'm doing that in the seat of the plane. I'm not, I'm not getting transferred onto an aisle chair and taken to the bathroom, but I'm doing that right, right on the plane. And what I do is I, you know, I put a, um, been there, been there. I put a blanket over my head, but you know, it's a real mind game. You know, I, I, I remember, you know, just trying to be very quiet, get out my catheter without anybody seeing. And, and, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a real tough thing to, to do something like that in public, let alone have somebody assist you. And, um, you know, you do get used to it over time. I guess one thing that I thought of in those situations was, well, the only, you know, people, people may be offended. They may think it's odd, but you know, I've got to do, I've got to do this for my survival. Uh, and you know, what, if they're offended by it, why should that affect me? It, sh- it shouldn't necessarily affect me. Um, I'm, I'm doing what I need to do. And so it's, it, I guess it's the same for the, you know, your intimate care that you receive. Uh, you know, it's a necessary thing. And, you know, Alvaro, I really, really like the idea that you're working towards this goal and this was a necessary part of that goal. So you had the, you had this goal in mind of uh, finishing your degree at university and going on to get a good job, et cetera. And this was just one step in that process. And, and without, you know, without, and, and so that, taking that as part of your journey, part of the step you take towards your goal is, uh, I think is a really powerful psychological tool that you could use for, for anything that you feel is uncomfortable in your life. If it's for a greater purpose and something you're really passionate about achieving, then the hard stuff doesn't seem to matter. I think we'll get on to business soon. I mean, that's that's very much the case in business when you're starting something new. It's tough. It's you know, there's long hours, there's stress, uh, you know. But if you've got your sights set on a on a goal, on a vision, on a way you want to um, change your life or or the world around you, then the tough stuff is made a lot less easier. Would you, would you agree with that? Absolutely, absolutely. So to, to bring another example that's the same as you, similar to, to yours, is for example, like going when I was starting to go to parties when I was 20 years old after my injury or I don't know, like a wedding, let's say, and I needed to go into a bathroom. There was not a private uh, bath, like accessible bathroom for me to catheterize myself. So I had to do it like as everyone else was going to to do their their urinary things, and I was like catheterizing myself in the middle. Everyone was looking that I was like introducing myself this weird thing, and I was also like at some point I said like, okay, I need to do this in order to have fun as you guys. So I don't mind if you feel uncomfortable. I will not feel like that. <laughs> that was kind of my my thought process uh, at, at that point when I was. Uh, in my early years injured and yes i think um i i don't remember the other question that you said <laughs> sorry oh that's okay that no that's fine uh yeah totally that that's a really it is a really awkward thing to um stick a yeah. you know plastic tube 
uh, in front of everybody. Uh, but I think, uh, yeah. yeah, again, as, as I, a, I, re- I remember the, the question, like, life is tough. Yes, life is tough. And we people with spinal cord injuries in general, we've been through tough things that has made us stronger. stronger. I totally believe in that. That can be used as we tough people when you want we, when we want to start the business or we want to go into a like a professional challenge or into a intimate relation with someone else that it's get, getting tough i don't know like i think that we are we are people who have that passed through tough moments and that has allowed us to to become stronger Totally. It was, it's like an apprenticeship really, isn't it? <laughs> and uh, yeah. you, you come out the other side with, uh, armed with a whole bunch of resilience and, and mental tools. I mean, it can also wear people down and it can, you know, you and I have obviously come out stronger, but some people, some people are still struggling, you know, some people are really struggling with whether it be pain or their relationships or their yep. financial situations. You know, if you had some advice for someone that was still struggling, what would it be? I mean, I think what I, I struggle too. I struggle too, and I have struggled also with financial situations, with pain, or with 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 health situations. And 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 I think that overcoming those situations is something that is possible, and we don't have to uh, give up. I think that the mentality that I have to I have today. It took me until today to have it, and I passed through really hard moments at first years, and I was depressed, of course. And I think that that's also important to to consider if someone is recently injured, right? Like, um, so, and and that happened to me. For example, I had my, the first visits of people that were injured before, and they were telling me that they they were like having so much fun and. And they were doing sports, and they had their girlfriends whatsoever. For me, that was kind of the important thing at that moment in my life. And I and and, and I even don't I, I don't even believe them. I said, no, I don't believe that these guys are happy people, right? Mm. But at the end of the day, you end up realizing that that they that they were like um, they they were like um, they were like honest enough, and and it was just about uh, myself dealing with my things and, and overcoming uh, this new life situation. Yeah, it, ta- it definitely takes time and it takes new experiences as you go through this to build up that knowledge base. You know, you have to learn to do a whole range of things again. You have to take on a different mindset. Your um, personal identity, uh, you know, gets a real shake up. So it is a process. You're right. You know, I didn't really pay much attention or want to pay much attention to other wheelchair users in the first year, two years of my injury. I was too busy just dealing with my own psychological and practical and practical things. Uh, you know, with this new life. So yeah, it does. It does definitely take time. I think the important thing to know is that you know, with perseverance and with time, uh, you know, it 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 is possible to live a great life and, and have fun again and have relationships and have success uh, in all aspects of your life. Um, but it's, and a, I think, it's and I, Yeah. And I think timing is different for, for all of us, right? Yeah, absolutely. Some of some people are incredibly fast to, to reaccommodate and some of us take us a little longer. And I think that's totally like normal and, 
And all of us has, has our own timings, I think. It's a very good point, definitely. It, it depends on your your mindset as you come into this. It depends on the support networks you have, the resources you have available. I mean, it's a, it's a complex equation, and you're absolutely right. Not everybody is going to sort of make it through the other side at the same time. So I think, yeah, be... Uh, just acknowledge that and and be kind on yourself, uh, just knowing that it is a process. Alvaro, you obviously went back to university, uh, and you know what was what was some learnings from there. What was that experience like? Yeah, university for me was was tough actually because I, it was like my first early years of being injured, and 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 yeah, it wasn't. So I, I had very close friends when I was at high school. My rugby teammates, they were very supportive with me in my first years of injured uh, until today, actually, to be honest. And accessing university was tough because it was new people that they were all on this new life, very excited. And I was dealing through with my own personal things. And mm-hmm. um, so it, it was not easy. And also with the challenge of like, I... I re-entered to study engineering again, same university. Uh, and and for me, it was kind of a challenge because my quadriplegia, um, uh, I have paralyzed my, my hands, my, the fingers of my hands, mm-hmm. uh, partially my arms. So even like dealing with, 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 with assignments and tests, how I would write and take notes. And again, I found like a special adaptive device to, to hook um, a pen and after a lot of practice I I got the skill of writing and I could do ter- tests normally and and all that all like that I did uh, receive some assistance from from the university for example to take a little bit more time to to do tests and and the, during the first years to to get less classes to 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 also deal with my physical rehabilitation so uh, that was good on on side of the of the organization that they allow me to to give some um, mm. some adjustments and smoothly I started uh, and slowly I started to to regain my social life going out with my friends having like university life I guess that it's similar in in, in different countries <laughs> uh, that was <laughs> involves that, that kind of, <laughs> involves a lot of drinking, lots of parties, lots of girls. Yes, uh, that sort of I thing, think, right? I think, I think that came in kind of my third year. I didn't like take advantage of that uh, since the beginning, but after a while, I I was able to to have a a, a good experience. Like, it's <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's good to hear. And um, you know, so did the the rest of your university. Uh, obviously, I'm impressed that you you learned to write well, and um, and so you came out of university, uh, and then then what was life like? Well, so I I live that that's something that is kind of usual in 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 Chile that people live with your parents until you are like 25. So I I still live uh, lived with with my parents. I I thought that. Um, Going into my first job as a professional would be like very tough, given that I said, okay, like if I was applying to jobs, like, I don't know, regular jobs. And I thought most probably that someone who hasn't, who don't have a a disability as I am would have, would be an advantage position to get the job. 
but I was I was proved wrong actually. I I realized that at that point that would be like around 2010 pretty much. Companies, professionals were actually pretty interested to to join me as a professional to their teams, having kind of a new experience of someone who have dealt with with a tough life situation, and they were like, I, I even like felt that I was a little bit positively discriminated when I went was looking for my first job. <laughs> wow! And yep, and and I went into a job into a consulting firm. And I learned a lot. I did really good friends. And that was the time that I um, that I uh, rediscovered sports again and rediscovered adaptive sports. I started playing a, a quad rugby. The first quad rugby team was created in, 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 in Santiago. So I was part of that team and I started playing every weekend and one day a week. Uh, and that was very uh, like a new aha day after my injuries, realizing that I could be part of a team again and 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 put myself into a f like a physical effort um, challenge, and that was amazing. And also, I I found uh, that given even with my high level spinal cord injury, I was able to to do hand bike hand biking. And I, and that's a funny experience of someone who bought a, a handbike with with quad uh, adjustments to to have it in, in here in Chile and to provide it to people that 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 didn't have the access to it. And that's how I came through uh, handbiking, and that's kind of my sport until today. Uh, so. So in those early professional days, I, I felt that it was a, a good experience of having access to, to sports. Uh, with my first salaries, I bought my own handbike. And, and yeah, that was kind of um, nice days of, of for me. Like I, I think I, 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 grow, I grew a lot in those years and gained a lot of confidence in myself that I could earn a, earn a salary, have a job, and sustain myself financially and also uh, access to sport and have fun during the weekends. That was something that um, gained, that helped me in my self-confidence. Absolutely. Well done, May. That's so good. That's so good to hear. I can, I can see the smile on your face as you're, you know, smashing into someone playing quad rugby or hand biking. <laughs> yeah, I love it. It's yep. so good. Tell us a bit about yeah. uh, tell us a bit about dating. What was your experience with that like? Dating. So it took me a while since my injury to kind of have the confidence, but with some drinks and <laughs> and the help of my friends going to parties, I ended up realizing that was possible. <laughs> also, I thought that it was I don't know like I I kind of realized that that uh, women. Uh, were interested on my way of living and my, I don't know, my perseverance whatsoever. So I had quite a few um, girlfriends in my in my university and early work days, days. And I cannot go into more details because my girlfriend is back here. So I, I don't want to talk <laughs> much more about that. Too. Uh, that's hilarious. 
That's so funny. Yeah, mate, I get it. What goes on tour stays on tour. We uh, we we can we can talk about it over a beer one day when we when we get to meet up again. Um, yeah. Uh, no, good on you. That's I'm so pleased. So tell us a little bit about uh, Wheel the World and how that came about. Was that the first your first foray into entrepreneurship? Pretty much, yes, yes. I well, Wheel the World. I uh, I. Once I was like with four years of work experience and always my dream was at some point to, to live abroad, to live in another country and know another culture and expose myself to be far away from my like supportive uh, environment. And, and I won a scholarship to, to go and study in the U.S. Um, and I went, I moved abroad and I, and I went to, to, to University of California to do a master's program. And I worked there for two months. To, uh, sorry, I studied there for two years. And my kind of my application um, for, for, for studying abroad and for the scholarship was like, okay, what, what I want to do after my, my, my studies or, or why I wanted to do a master's program abroad and, and, and my application was because I wanted to build or technologies or services or communities whatsoever and to the group of people with disabilities that I belong and to improve the the lifestyles of not only myself but also the people that are in a similar situation as me. So I that was kind of a, something that I started getting interested in. Even more because I lived in Berkeley and in Berkeley, California, that's where all the movement around ADA and disability awareness started in the U.S. So I met a lot of people that were part of that movement in the 70s and I get inspired by all what they were creating. And one of the, the school projects that I get into and I, I motivated some, some classmates to work into was that I, I wanted to build an Uber platform. Uh, for receiving like assistance uh, as disabled per- people mm. uh, from people that wants to support us when they are like nearby, right? I was living by myself. There were many things that I struggle a lot doing, like cooking or mm. like doing laundry or even like transferring to some like couch or whatever. So I'd say, oh, how might we have like an app uh, to receive assistance from? people that wants to help that are nearby whatsoever. So that was something I was starting working around. And it was really tough to implement it because uh, there was a lot of like liabilities things and people not trusting someone getting into like Mm -hmm. an unknown person to go into your home whatsoever. And at that same point, I was doing an internship in a a high-tech wheelchair company in, in, in Silicon Valley. And I found like a, a hiking chair, like I was doing some research for this startup and I found like a, a hiking chair manufactured in France to do like, to go into a hike uh, up a hill or to a non-accessible trail. Mm. And always my dream, and I thought that it was something impossible, so it was something that I thought that wasn't for me, was to do a very famous hike here in Chile that is called the W Trek in Patagonia, in Torres del Paine. I don't know if you did it when you came here. Yeah, I did. I did. I know it. Yes. It's amazing. It's like a five days hike 
in the mountains in Patagonia, uh, hiking through lakes and glaciers and beautiful mountains. And I said, okay, like with this equipment, I would be able to do this trip. The challenge was that this equipment cost like $5,000 to bring it down to Chile. Uh, someone, uh, I, I convinced some of my friends to, to join me on this adventure because this is a wheelchair that it needs to be pushed by third by, by others. Not uh, It's not an autonomous device. Um, so my friends were very excited to join into this adventure. The problem that is that we needed someone to go there and see if we will be able to use this equipment and find the accessible accommodations and the things that we will be able to do there. So uh, we ended up saying, okay, like we don't have the money to do this trip. We thought that we would be just, uh, I don't know, like a $300 uh, trip each to achieve this trip and, 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 and that's it. But no, it, it was we need to, to acquire this equipment, to go first in advance, etc. cetera. Uh, so we decided to build a project around this. Uh, we said, okay, let's do a crowdfunding campaign and raise money through brands that want to support the first trip ever of a wheelchair user to complete the W trek in Patagonia. That way we would raise the funds, acquire this equipment, but with the purpose of allowing then other people after me and my friends to repeat that trip that we would be doing for the first time. Mm. A lot of people got very excited uh, with the crowdfunding campaign that was very excited and uh, successful to raise the funds to acquire this wheelchair that is called the Joelet. If you want to find, look it online. And we ended up doing this, like funding, getting these funds, doing this trip that it was amazing. We filmed a documentary and some pictures that you can also find online. You can just Google wheel the world and you will, you will find it. And, and, and many people got very excited about this and we started receiving, like the trip was amazing. For me, it was another aha time of realizing that it would be, I would be able to be immersed in this beautiful place and having this such amazing trip with my friends. And then after that trip, uh, it became kind of a viral story, especially in here in Chile and also in, in California, that because I was living in California at that time. Mm. Uh, and a lot of people starting to reach out willing us to, to organize this, this trip to, to those people. So me and Camilo, who is my co-founder, my friend who, with who I organized all this at, at the beginning, we started organizing this trip to other people and realizing that I was not the only crazy guy that wanted to do an expedition to Patagonia with my friends in a wheelchair. Um, and if people had the information about what's, what was accessible and how to do this, they were like happy to do it and even like willing willing to 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 spend in a trip in this in this kind of situation so we started um, organizing this trip to other people and and realizing that there was a kind of a market opportunity of raising up the information about accessibility in the travel industry if you go today on airbnb booking.com travel advisor whatsoever it's very hard to find what's accessible and what's not in terms of accommodation and also in terms of uh, things to do at the places. Mm. So we ended up realizing that funding Wheel the World was a good opportunity of building a platform in terms of raising up the information about accessibility of the travel industry 
and helping travel businesses to become more inclusive and to accommodate their offering to a more accessible one and offer that online to people that wants to travel the world and find accessibility in in travel destinations. So far, we offer trips in 40 destinations, pretty much, in eight countries. Um, we have had more than 1,000 people traveling to our destinations, and, and we are envisioning to build a community of travelers with disabilities traveling the world, supporting each other, uh, allowing, helping us to map out accessibility of accommodations, activities, so we can offer them online uh, and allow people to travel the world and, and show also societies that, uh, that people uh, with disabilities can have great experiences and as everyone else. Today, we are in a tough situation with the COVID-19 thing. It's tough for us because we haven't had any uh, bookings and things are pretty paused, paused and we are expecting for at least for the next four months. Um, but we believe that this week we will overcome this situation and and we will be ready uh, sooner than uh, more sooner than later to make people travel again to these beautiful destinations as Machu Picchu, uh, Patagonia, Maui, Hawaii, San Francisco, California. Hopefully, New Zealand in the near future, and 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 let's say all the world. Yeah, totally. Uh, I, what a, you, you explained that so very, very well. And what strikes me about your website is the imagery is really powerful. Uh, and it looks like you've got a, a really quite a strong team. How did you come about finding the people to join you? And how did you go about raising the funds needed to build a, build a company like yours? Yes, so in terms of team, the team is built pretty much by friends, <laughs> people who believe that what we are doing is important and, and, and they feel that it's kind of a good, uh, interesting solution for a problem that it's out there. Uh, that's not something that you can find on books, like build teams around friends, but I don't know. I just like to work with friends. <laughs> and... <laughs> And, and to, regarding funding, um, I think we've, we, we've been very, very smart and thoughtful to, to build a, a good story and to build a good story, not only towards the business side, but also towards an emotional side of that we are, we've been able to change people's life. And, 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 and that way, I believe that uh, there's possibilities to raise funds through public entities, uh, private entities, angel investors, and and that's how, how the, that's the way that we've been dealing with it, uh, working a lot, no like 20, 24/7 uh, <laughs> towards what we believe it's important and we believe that can be successful and can be sustainable in the long term, and and not giving up. I think it has been the the best way to achieve that today we. We've been able to raise funds, that we've been able to create and develop projects and generate revenues and be very creative, to be honest. Um, because because as, as you may know, like our, the, the business segment that we are focusing is still not big. I, I believe it is big, but 
uh, it takes a while to 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 get it and to and to uh, allow people to be convinced on on acquiring products and services that are um, thought on us and and that takes a while so that's challenging and i think uh, with perseverance and being creative it's possible to achieve it yeah absolutely tell us what are what are some mistakes you've made and, and how did you tackle them can you repeat the question sorry yeah what are some mistakes you've made along the way and and how did you fix them or how did you tackle them yes i think that one of them is in the first months was that I was thinking all like a lot in myself in what I need in and what was good for me, and I and I realized that that was not a smart idea because I'm not necessarily the rule of the people that have that that we are as a team trying to solve the situation. For example, on the destinations that we wanted to onboard uh, and to and to create travel experiences. First, at first point, we were like just focusing in very extreme outdoor activities as the one I mentioned in Patagonia and climbing Machu Picchu whatsoever. By the way, we have lots of documentaries on, on the experiences that we have created. So more than happy to invite you all to, to see them. Uh, and then I, I realized, and we realized, not me, but the team, uh, that people wanted to have access to travel, but in a more social way to access urban areas on a more like leisure way and I realized that I was wrong trying to always pursue my my own uh, desires right that was mm -hmm. not smart enough. so that would be some kind of advice that I would give like not think on yourself think on your on the community that you want to serve uh, and focus on their needs and their challenges because that's the way to find good solutions to to solve problems yeah, so how did you go about gathering that, that information? Was it from feedback that you received from people or requests for different locations? Uh, yeah, how did, you, how did you gain that insight? Yeah, I think like interviewing people at first and reaching out people, I think people, and I, I think they're, they are happy to share their own experiences. So that's a, like kind of a good thing uh, to take in advantage so we interviewed a lot of people and then making some research, checking out what people were like posting or like sharing comments in our social media on our, so on. we started analyzing different sources of information to, to understand what, are, what were their needs. That's uh, great. Yeah, listening to your customers' needs and observing and listening uh, to the market is really important. I think it's easy to keep focused on what you want uh, but when you're creating a business you actually also more importantly need to understand what uh, what other people want uh, Alvaro what uh, what does the future hold from you I know the future is uncertain right now with COVID-19 and and I've no doubt that you will pick up where you left off with the business and people will start traveling again uh, before all this happened what was what were some things that you had in mind for for your personal life but also for uh, wheel the world personal life well um, I think to um to I don't know to I I I I've been living for the past one year and a half again in Santiago, Chile. So um, continue my life here. Just continue building close bonds with my family and friends here. Uh, in terms of will the world, we were like having 
very ambitious goals of um, um, creating real-world experiences in 50 destinations and uh, uh, create a technology, so a system to people like build their profiles and allow people to book automatically specific accessible rooms in hotels and books, tours, etc. I believe that it's still the same. We will have to reaccommodate our goals in terms of will the world. And the first thing that we are going to focus in these times is to build our community of people that like our, that are like supportive with our cause, with our mission of allowing people to explore places and build a strong community. So once all things reactivates, we are ready to, to go on, on our other goals. It's uh, a good idea. Well, I, I'll be certain to share this podcast far and wide. Is there um, any final uh, words of wisdom that you'd like to share with our community? Or, you know, how can, how can people reach out to you and join your community and, and assist you in your mission? Yes. Yeah, so um, the easiest way is go to our website, gowheeltheworld.com. And you can, um, you can like register to our newsletter or to like um, fill out a contact form so you, uh, so you can stay, uh, stick to our, to our um, communication. Go to our YouTube or Instagram channel. We have plenty of cool videos, documentaries of people with disabilities traveling the world. Uh, no, just thank you, Mike. I love Adaptify. Adaptify. Uh, I really want to have one because I thought it's it, uh, when I saw it at the Abilities Expo, I thought it was a very smart product that I will definitely use. And and also thank you because I love your your attitude and your friendly uh, attitude to 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 reach people. And I I have really enjoyed this this conversation with you again. Uh, thanks, Alvaro. Yeah, mate. Um, well, like you say, you mentioned that the market is is small, but then you went, well, actually, no, it's big. And the only way the market is, you know, uh, the only way I guess the, the world is going to change and more people are going to feel confident to travel and more people are, are going to improve their lives is by listening to people like you and hearing the stories of uh, our adaptifiers Um and we're, I guess the community is building strength by strength, uh, day by day. And uh, and I thank you for being part of this and sharing your story. Um, and, you know, wish you wish you all the best going forward with uh, Wheel of the World. I'll certainly be doing a trip or two um, uh, when I'm looking for some overseas travel. I'd love to go and do the W Loop again in Patagonia. Um, and I couldn't think of a better way to do it with your, with your friends. Hey, look, I'm wishing you all the well uh, for you and your family during this COVID-19 um, chaos. And, and again, I, I've no doubt we'll all, we'll all move through and the world will, um, will come out the other side a, a better place uh, for this, uh, for it. Uh, yeah, thanks, mate. Um, enjoy the rest of your day and I, I really appreciate your time. Um, go well. And uh, if you, well, when you come down to New Zealand, uh, definitely look me up. Uh, I'd, I'd love to um, show you around and um, and do some sort of adventure with you. Amazing, amazing. Uh, yes, we need to support each other and I would love to visit New Zealand and uh, we also need to be aware that many of us, people with disabilities, are part of the group risk, so we all need to take care of each other and, and take care of this situation, so that's something important all of us to consider. Yeah, 100%. All right, Alvaro, uh, Enjoy the rest of the day. Thanks once again for joining me on the podcast.
Awesome. Great talking to you, Mike. Have a good one. I hope you enjoyed the podcast and meeting today's Adaptifier. To learn more about Adaptify and the products we have in development, products that will increase freedom for wheelchair users, go to adaptdefy.com. That's A-D-A-P-T-D-E-F-Y.com. We're also on all the major social media platforms at Adaptify. Follow us there for more behind-the-scenes looks and more up-to-date information on product releases. Hope you enjoyed this podcast. Look forward to catching you next time.